It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. <laughs> hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. <laughs> Hello. Welcome in, everybody. Great to have you with us here. It is the PJ Show on this uh, Wednesday, hump day. You got through it all downhill from here. We've got uh, much to get to today. Uh, It is a a huge day in the state of North Carolina as far as uh, sports gambling goes because uh, something that uh, all along that we have been enthusiastic about uh, here on this show, on this station, in this company, it only made sense for it to be in place is uh, now legal in North Carolina. Now it's going to be a little while before people can start placing bets, but uh, that is a big part of uh, where this industry is heading. Uh, In fact, I I saw someone uh, who was a longtime reporter for a North Carolina team. And if some of you listening probably know who that is, I had to get out of the biz of broadcasting uh, for whatever reason. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But uh, this reporter has now gotten back in the business uh, in uh, broadcasting, sports broadcasting from the fantasy and uh, sports gambling side. So that's where you'll see this uh, particular uh, reporter uh, in the future. So, look, that's part of where um, this industry, or not a part, a huge area where this industry uh, is uh, is heading. So we got some cuts uh, for that in just a little bit. Right before we went on, I was looking and uh, – Mike Schilt, uh, who uh, has a residence in Kinston, uh, long, great baseball, great man, but a great baseball man, lifelong Cardinal, North Carolina guy. And uh, he was trending on Twitter, and I thought, oh, no, what happened? But uh, apparently the fans in St. Louis are now pining for the days of Mike Schilt. That's how uh, bad the Cardinals are. Now, look, as a uh, long-suffering college or a Chicago Cubs fan, I, I can't feel but so bad for the Redbirds, but I do like Mike Schilt uh, quite a lot. Uh, All right, so we got the U.S. Open starting tomorrow. It'll be on the NBC properties this year, not Fox. So uh, USA, NBC, Peacock will have uh, various stages of broadcast uh, to watch, and uh, we'll get a preview from our friend Brian Mull uh, coming up in uh, the second half hour uh, today. But let's start with our big uh, news of the day. Uh, and that is Governor Cooper at a bill signing at the uh, arena there in Charlotte, signing the bill into law that legalizes uh, online sports gambling in North Carolina. House Bill 347, it passed through uh, both chambers earlier in the month of the General Assembly. Uh, Cooper was flanked by uh, lawmakers. This was truly a bipartisan piece of legislation. Uh, The law goes into effect January 8th of 24 and calls for the NC Lottery Commission to award 12 licenses for operators to take online sports bets for any adult uh, in North Carolina. Eight facilities will be able to operate a sports book. They are the Spectrum Center where the uh, bill signing, ceremonial bill signing was today. Bank of America Stadium where the Panthers play. The Charlotte Motor Speedway, Quell Hollow where uh, they play uh, an annual golf event and uh, will be the uh, home of uh, some majors in the future. Uh, North Wilkesboro Speedway, where they just had the all-star race. 
Uh, of course, the PNC Arena in Raleigh and uh, Wake Med Soccer Park. That's a curious one. And uh, Sedgefield Country Club, of course, uh, the site of the Wyndham Championships, the old GGO. Uh, now, will we see a freestanding building as a sports book? Well, quite possibly. I think that is something that uh, you need to keep an eye on uh, next. Uh, horse race betting will be allowed through separate gambling operators. As I understand it, you might be able to go to one of these sports books and uh, place uh, a bet on, uh, say, Pimlico or uh, at uh, uh, in Louisville. Uh, at races going on there, which uh, they're going on uh, constantly. Uh, universities are going to receive $300,000 annually from license fees and taxes collected from the law. ECU is on that list, so that's a real positive uh, for them. Let's hear from uh, some of the participants in this. Uh, we've got uh, the crew has uh, prepared some, uh, some audio, and this is uh, Governor Roy Cooper, our old friend, uh, with an opening statement at today's uh, bill signing ceremony in Charlotte. Charlotte Hornets, thank you, people at Spectrum Center. Thank you for the opportunity to come and to sign this legislation here today. Uh, it's a great day for the state of North Carolina for sure. Mayor Lyles and members of the city council, I know who are here. We also have representatives Cunningham and Harris and Senator Waddell here. In addition to uh, sponsors of the legislation who will speak in a minute, Representative Sane, Representative Hawkins, and uh, Senator Lowe, who are here. All right, so that's Roy Cooper. You're looking at a big sports fan right here. We know that, Gov, and he says uh, North Carolina is a prime location for sports. We already know that North Carolina is the center of the college basketball universe. That is an unquestioned but in the last few decades, our state has become a prime location for professional sports, particularly here in the Charlotte area. The Hornets, the Panthers, the Hurricanes, NASCAR, Charlotte FC, the Courage, professional golf, including the PGA, USGA, US Open, Wyndham, our President's Cup and professional minor league and farm teams and a whole lot more it is so exciting what's happened in north carolina sorry was uh, my lips were a little chapped so i was putting some chapstick on all right uh and so uh governor cooper talking about the benefits i love sports we know you do of the bill this legislation will help these professional teams to grow even more and to thrive and attracting more of them. We've still got some holes we need to fill in the professional sporting arena. It will also provide great paying jobs for our state. It will attract capital and help our economy grow. And it will benefit North Carolina taxpayers by giving them a portion of the earnings. And the Gov says uh, surrounding states have already taken advantage of legalized sports betting. Surrounding states here and across the country are already taking advantage. And in fact, today in Vermont, Governor Scott is signing similar legislation there. This legislation allows the state of North Carolina to regulate it, 
and to put safeguards on it, as well as providing funding for helping people with problem gambling. All right, and uh, one final cut here from the Gov, who is uh, scintillating. I hope you've not fallen asleep behind your wheel on the way home after a long day at work. Uh, He says the legislation can help uh, public education. Hit it. As we implement this legislation, I urge the legislature to focus more on investing funding in public education. Our teachers, our students, our public schools need us. Not only with this uh, revenue and this legislation, but across the funding stream of our state. Those investments need to be made now because public education is our future workforce. You're looking at a big sports fan right here. Indeed we are, Governor. Indeed we are. And we just heard from one. I don't agree a lot with the uh, Governor, but uh, I am uh, thrilled that he uh, threw his support behind this. And uh, thanks to the people who worked really, really hard on it, uh, including uh, Representative Jason Sane from out in uh, the uh, western part of the state near Charlotte. Uh, Let's hear from uh, Representative Sane, who was in a dazzling uh, pink number today. He looked looked pretty in pink today in his suit. Uh, So this is uh, Representative Sane on working uh, to whip up the support for this after the bill lost by a single vote last year. Nothing happens without building a good team. We had a great team. We got it done. You know, it, it was tough that first year where we had just one vote shy of getting this bill passed. But it gave us an opportunity to work harder. You know, you don't always win championships, but you're always working for the championship. And so to work harder, to do the hard work, to talk to all the legislators, to talk to people across the state and build support for it. And, Governor, I thank you for your help. So, uh... Representative Sane went on to say that the uh, bill helps out, uh, as he put it, smaller schools. We're so glad for the investment that we're putting back in our small schools in this state. I think there's some athletes from UNC Pembroke that are here. They will benefit schools like UNC Charlotte, UNC Greensboro. That's a tremendous opportunity. And my co-sponsor, Zach Hawkins, saw the opportunity to get young people involved in sports and involved in the outdoors to work hard. And so there's provisions in the bill to do that. Yeah, and, and look, that's a good thing with the monies going to Wilmington and Pembroke and Greensboro, Asheville Central, uh, NCA&T, Western Carolina, Winston-Salem State also got included uh, into uh, that as well. Uh, and then yeah, Appalachian State and East Carolina were pulled into it because they originally were not in the first version of that, the House version, uh, the initial version, and then uh, Charlotte uh, was pulled into it as well. So. Uh, I look. I, if, if that means we get 300 large annually in Greenville, uh, and athletics gets that money, uh, you can call us a smaller school all you want. Whatever you got to get to to get the cheddar, I'm all uh, for. So uh, we'll have more on this as we go on. Uh, probably have some guests on this uh, tomorrow and, and possibly next week as well, as we sort of go and uh, and, and delve into what exactly is next with this. Uh, but uh, a momentous day, certainly, and a day that uh, will uh, certainly change things in the state of North Carolina for sure. All right, uh, we'll get an early time out here on the PJ Show. Got a lot to get to. Dom, uh, let's say hello to Dom first. He's running the big program uh, today. Uh, Dom Kosalski? Kosalki? Kosalki, you know what it is. You're just trying to be funny. Colonoscopy. It's Dom No. Dom Kosolke, the great Dom, is here today. I might say 
Dom, the voice of your Tarboro River Bandits. How Thank about you. that? Thank you so much. Yeah, I actually put that in the update today. So I, I did mention to, to go watch the YouTube live if you want to you want to hear my voice. Sometimes if we if we have an extra current camera, see my face during interviews. Ah, okay. How is uh, that going? Oh, it's great. The, the voice of the River Bandits. I've loved it. I uh, I kind of got it dumped on me as our other announcer was supposed to. It was supposed to be a co-announcing thing. You know, we we're supposed to switch right. off from being color to play-by-play, and he just yeah. he just bailed after the first game. So it's just me. I'm just kind of thrown in the fire, but uh, I'm getting more comfortable, and I'm definitely enjoying it. So Kasolki was too much for this guy to handle. That's what you're saying. I right? guess so. I pro- he probably saw my skill set and said, "Man, I I just don't sound as good as him." So I don't think I should play right. next to him. He was intimidated by your skills. Uh, the great Clark Willis is also uh, in the uh, house today. So uh, it is a cast of thousands, as it always uh, is. Yeah, had I had I known uh, that uh, you guys were were both going to be around today, we could have done a hold my uh, beer, or in Dom's case, hold my soda. Or juice box, but uh, I'm we there, man. Uh, ah slowly we are uh, we are unable to do that today though because we just we're just so jam packed with stuff. So uh, maybe next time might yeah. be a Friday thing. Yeah, never I'll, know. I'll be It'll here be Friday, Friday. So all right. Well, hey, uh, great job, Dom. Thank you for uh, getting all of that uh, ready and uh, an exciting day undoubtedly in North Carolina. Okay, now a break. We'll get back uh, to things in just a moment, including. Uh, well, a couple of, uh, news and nuggets surrounding, uh, teams from the American athletic conference. Uh, I'll take a look at what's going on at the big rock, uh, as well. Uh, that is happening all this week. Of course, all of that on the other side here on the Patrick Johnson show. You ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay. Ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 943thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man. You can also uh, check us out on the brand new IBX Media app, uh, downloadable on uh, Google Play or at the App Store, and uh, it's absolutely free. So if you've not downloaded the app, do so today. Not only can you listen to this station and show, uh, but you can listen to uh, Stephen Igo's Hoist the Colors program. Uh, you can also relive uh, shows such as ours, uh, Stevens and myself, uh, Talk of the Town, uh, and you can listen to all of our stations, including. 107.9 WNCT. And if you're going to be at the beach at any point uh, this summer, uh, and you're going to be out on the boat, and maybe uh, you don't want to bring a radio or not an earshot of one, you can uh, always uh, click on the IBX Media app and listen to uh, all of the great stations uh, that we have music, uh, talk, and information. Otherwise, uh, you could do that IBX Media app. Well, uh, record 271 boats are participating in the Big Rock this year. 254 of those boats were out yesterday. Uh, Today was a lay day for the vast majority of them, just 12 boats participating for the chance to land a big blue marlin uh, today. And uh, we've got uh, a new addition to the leaderboard. The boat Predator uh, has, uh, within the last hour, come to uh, the way station. And it is weighed in at 459 pounds, so that is good for third place. Sea Student still leads the way, my personal favorite boat, because that boat is speaking for uh, all the Sea Student and all of us. Uh, 470.2 pounds. Sea Toy at 463.7 is in second. And then Predator uh, is in third at the Big Rock, 459. Nobody has uh, gotten that, marla- that uh, blue that is 
uh, over 500 pounds. So the uh, 700 uh, plus thousand dollar uh, prize is still up for grabs as the fabulous fisherman is still uh, out there to be uh, grabbed as well. Uh, meantime, uh, another uh, boat, Seawolf, is slated to uh, arrive at Big Rock Landing sometime around 7 uh, to weigh in. That was the report as of about uh, 40 minutes ago. So you can always watch that on uh, Big Rock TV. Uh, our very own uh, legendary broadcaster himself, the Big Hen, is uh, down there in uh, Moorhead City, part of Big Rock TV, and he'll be broadcasting tomorrow on the uh, Patrick Johnson, or excuse me, on Talk of the Town. Uh, we might check in with him Friday. I know he's got an engagement Friday. We'll check in with somebody Friday, uh, kind of going into the weekend on the Big Rock. Uh, and then uh, Contavia Street, the uh, Rose and NC State alum, we're actually going to have him Friday on the show, uh, now with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, look forward to talking to Contavia. He's got a uh, football camp coming up in uh, Greenville sometime soon. Uh, at Rose in July, so we'll uh, promote all that for him and uh, talk to the great Contavia Street uh, a little bit later on in the week on Friday. Uh, so, wanted to get to this yesterday. We didn't get a chance to, uh, but it is, I think, uh, a big deal. We've talked about it before. South Florida, USF, has uh, announced that they are getting a football stadium. Their board of trustees has approved a $340 million budget to build an on-campus stadium. It'll hold 35,000 fans. It's expected to be open for the 2026 season. Uh, the cost is not expected to be finalized until next year, which means uh, the university can make tweaks on the proposal without penalty. Uh, the Bulls play their home games, as we all know, currently at Raymond James Stadium. So they share that with the Bucks. Uh, and uh, they only had the USF one win last year. It was a tough year for the Bulls. So I was reading on some of this today down reaction in the Tampa market. Tampa is a great, I, I like Tampa. It's a great city. Uh, enjoyed the couple times that I've been there. And uh, I like that part of Florida, that uh, Gulf Coast part of Florida very much. And I talked with uh, or reading some different things down there uh, since yesterday and then again this morning. And one of the first things they're talking about is what does this mean for conference expansion? So they're very, and when I say they, I mean the media and fans of the Tampa market. What would this mean for USF towards the inevitable next round of whatever happens with conference expansion? So uh, Mike Kelly, who is their uh, AD, we've had him on before. He's got ACC ties. I like Kelly uh, a lot. He's a pretty, well, very knowledgeable guy. And uh, I think he had something to do originally with the BCS or national championship. Uh, but Mike Kelly's been the AD there, you know, a couple questionable things. He gave everybody he did the right, his heart was in the right place when he gave everybody a, uh, a contract extension, including uh, Brian Gregory uh, around the COVID time. But uh, you know, since they have moved on from him, they've moved on from their football coach. So uh, you know, he, he's, a real solid guy, forward-thinking guy. And, of course, this has been in the talks for quite a while uh, down in Florida. So uh, I think this is a good thing. I think this, I think the capacity is right, to be honest with you. 35000 is about right for uh, a stadium there in Tampa. You know, and, and look, I, I think they could do other things with that stadium. Not every major concert that would be outdoors would have to be at the, the fairgrounds there at the amphitheater or even at Raymond James. 
obviously mega big concerts are, but you might be able to have uh, more mid-sized kind of concerts there because uh, that'll be uh, able to accommodate that. But the big thing is you'll be able to play football on, on campus, and I think that'll be a bigger deal. And look, when they played UCF this past year uh, in the game to end the season, that was at Raymond James this year, and uh, the Golden Knights brought a ton of fans. They had the majority of fans there in Tampa. So, and uh, they actually sold a lot of tickets for that particular game. So I'd be real anxious to uh, to see the mock-up of this, but the the eye towards this from the media in Tampa is what does this do for uh, USF to join UCF in uh, the realm of, uh, 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 if you will, P5 and conference expansion? We'll see. Uh, I just think it'll be a it's a there's some significance. They have sold it as as a positive to be in an NFL venue, and I do think there are positives to playing in those sort of stadiums. But you know, I I think South Florida has the potential maybe to to draw a little better with an on campus facility. We'll see. I mean, you got to be good at the end of the day. Uh, I don't think you could play Temple's games on the moon, and I don't think it would matter. But you know, they're in a great they're in the great facility where the Eagles are. Uh, but that's a case where I don't think even an on-campus facility would really help them very much. Uh, another uh, bit of news and notes out of our uh, state and uh, soon-to-be conference uh, foe, Charlotte. Uh, and uh, that was a report that Hornets legend Muggsy Bogues has been on the show a couple of times, friend of the program, uh, is apparently interested and open to the idea of coaching the Charlotte 49ers basketball team. Now, uh, their head coach, Ron Sanchez, after they won the CBI, suddenly left last week. And uh, Bogues has coached before. In 05, he coached the Charlotte Sting when they were in the WNBA. Uh, he's also coached at United Faith Christian Academy in Charlotte. Uh, a couple state championships when he coached there from 2011 to 2014. No comment from the 49ers, but look, I think from what I understand in talking to some people in Charlotte, Sanchez got out ahead of what was going to be kind of a lousy team this year upcoming. And quite frankly, they could probably use a little shot in the arm with their basketball program. They've gone all in on uh, football. Uh, they've got a heck of an NIL collective going there in Charlotte. And Muggsy Bogues would certainly bring a lot of excitement to uh, – to Charlotte 49er basketball. They had Mark Price there. I did one of the games when uh, Mark Price was the head coach. Heck of a nice guy. Mark Price is a real gentleman, and he'd been a, an assistant with the uh, Hornets before, uh, and maybe the Bobcats, but definitely the Hornets before uh, taking over. And that was kind of a rough three years. Uh, there's history. It's a program that's been to the Final Four, so uh, can they do something to uh, pump a little life and resurrect things in Charlotte? That might be the way to do it. Uh, by uh, hiring one of the all-time uh, great Hornets, NC Sports Hall of Famer uh, Muggsy Bogues, who everybody loves Muggsy. I'd root for the Niners if they had Muggsy on the sideline when they're not playing the Pirates. I'd root for the Niners then because I like Muggsy so much, and he's been on the show a couple times, as we've uh, mentioned. So we'll see. If they if they uh, hire him, I think that'd be great. I think that'd be a slam dunk, and they'd be, they'd be crazy not to at least talk to him. All right, uh, let's... Uh, Go to our guy, Dom Koslowski, Kosolki, Koskaki. No, Dom Kosolki is standing by. I'm messing with you. Uh, here. 
to sign the sports betting bill into law today. It includes mobile sports betting and allows betting in certain sports arenas. Once the bill is signed, people could begin betting on their favorite teams as early as July. Here's how he feels this bill is beneficial. This legislation will help these professional teams to grow even more and to thrive and attracting more of them. We've still got some holes we need to fill in the professional sporting arena. It will also provide great paying jobs for our state. It will attract capital and help our economy grow. And it will benefit North Carolina taxpayers by giving them a portion of the earnings. ECU star pitcher Trey Savage earns NCBWA second team All-American honors in his sophomore season. Pirates have now had a player earn this accolade every full season since 2017. Savage was 7-1 with a 2.61 ERA and 105 strikeouts through 76 innings. His 105 strikeouts is tied for 10th most in a single season in program history, and he had his career high of 13 strikeouts in one game against Houston on March 31st. Wake Forest is gearing up for the College World Series. The top-seeded Demon Deacons are slated to face 8-seed Stanford on Saturday afternoon in Omaha to open up the double elimination round. Demon Deacons are attempting to win the program's first College World Series championship since 1955. Folks in Jacksonville will soon have a new baseball team to cheer for. Local couple Eli and Arlen Patino are partnering with the Old North State League. The team will play at Jack Amyet Field. The Moorhead City Marlins, playing as the Motorboaters again, picked up their 11th straight victory on Tuesday at home. Wilson also won at home. Moorhead City has today off and goes to Virginia to visit the Chili Peppers on Thursday. Wilson will be in Holly Springs tomorrow for a game against the Salamanders that starts at 6.30 p.m. The Edenton Steamers defeated the Outer Banks Scallywags 3-zip on Tuesday night in Manteo. That clams host Norfolk tonight at Hicks Stadium. The Tarboro River Bandits dropped their last game last night to the Wake Forest Fungo. Tune in on YouTube Live as I am the play-by-play announcer. In American Legion baseball news, Pitt County Post 39 is coming off a non-conference loss on Monday and will play tonight in Durham. Greenville United FC plays at JP2 this evening at 6.30 p.m. They'll host Greensboro FC. Greenville United remains undefeated at 3-0-3 heading in tonight's game. Panthers are continuing their mandatory minicamp. Carolina began its three-day minicamp yesterday and will wrap up tomorrow. This is the last week of the team's off-season workout program. In other news, second-round wideout Jonathan Mingo signed his four-year rookie deal on Tuesday. Bryce Young is the only member of that Carolina's rookie class that has yet to sign his deal. Team also waived defensive tackle Jalen Dalton with a failed physical designation. Carolina claimed Dalton off the waivers from the Falcons just last week. The Las Vegas Golden Knights are Stanley Cup champions. The Knights beat the Florida Panthers 9-3 in Game 5 of the Cup. Final Tuesday night in Las Vegas to capture the franchise's first title. That'll do it for your 94-3 The Game Sports Update. This sports update is brought to you by Team Boneyard, an NIL initiative directly supporting Pirate student-athletes. For info on how to join, please visit teamboneyard.org. All right. Thank you, Dom. Nice look for you there. Uh, All right. When we return on this Patrick Johnson show, uh, our guy Brian Mull will preview the uh, U.S. Open with him uh, coming up right after uh, this. Who who does he have as a winner uh, out in uh, Los Angeles? Plus, we'll talk about this mysterious course, uh, the L.A. Country Club. All of that when we come back. Have you noticed he's in his own little happy hour? We're back to the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the happy hour program. Here's the P-Man. Open in L.A. will be played on uh, the 
PGA and very excited to uh, watch some golf tomorrow. Uh, our national championship will be contested. Uh, over 150 golfers. Whenever we talk golf, we always like to go to our friend Brian Mull. He is with us uh, now, golf writer at BG Mall on Twitter. Hey, Brian, how are you? Doing well, Patrick. I uh, hope, hope you are. Doing great. And uh, I know there's a lot of unknown. There's always a lot not known going into uh, any golf tournament, but certainly the majors. But a lot of unknown. There's a lot of mystery surrounding the uh, L.A. Country Club as far as U.S. player, uh, U.S. Open participants go. So we'll get into that in a moment. But uh, we had two-time U.S. winner, U.S. Open winner, uh, with us yesterday on the uh, radio, Curtis Strange, on the uh, morning program. And uh, he had some things to say uh, regarding kind of the topic du jour, which is the uh, new company, the new entity that's being formed that includes uh, the PIF, who's behind Liv, uh, the DP World Tour in Europe, and then the PGA Tour. He is predicting LIV will not be around, and he's right when he said yesterday it's not really a merger, it's a, a new company. You and I have talked about that. The merger word was probably not the appropriate one, but what do you think of that? What do you think of the two-time U.S. Open winner, outspoken in his criticism of Liv and some of its players, Curtis Strange's proclamation that Liv will not be around in a year. Well, that's what happens when you let a financial uh, cable channel break your story about the golf world. I think, you know, the merger world gets thrown in, merger word gets thrown in there immediately. Um, Curtis knows more than anybody else because I really don't think there's three, but three or four people who have any idea what it's going to look like. And unfortunately, one of those uh, key members, Jay Monahan, is recovering from a uh, medical situation. Uh, the tour announced late last evening and um, will not even be able to perform any of his duties for, for a short period of time. So uh, I, I think I, I was guilty and others of making some assumptions when the news broke. Um, both sides have were early on were declaring victory, as is often the case in these business deals. Even as people are packing their stuff into boxes and being laid off, or you know, in certain situations, um, I do find it funny that, that, that in the in the in the terminology that the the new company is, is just labeled Nuco um, in, in, in any of the writing uh, that uh, the, the tour has had, but. I think there are going to be events. They're going to evaluate LIV at the end of this year. But will the two, you know, the PGA Tour, Monaghan was, was adamant that it's going to continue with its 2024 schedule as planned. Is there room for both? Yeah, I think so. Um, well, there, there's certain know, guys that uh, are adamant they would not return to the PGA for no other reason than they don't want the lifestyle and the grind of that weekend, week out tour. They, they don't want to come back. Uh, they're at a stage in their career or either physically where 14 events on that tour, um, four majors are enough. Now there's other players like Patrick Reed who would like to play more. 
Now, Patrick Reed was also involved in, uh, I think, would have a very difficult road back to the PGA Tour because some of the things he said publicly. Phil Mickelson, I think, has no interest in returning to the PGA Tour. He wants to help LIV grow uh, all as much as possible, and um, I don't think he would be welcome back whatsoever. I think our friend Harold Varner III could probably have the opportunity to come back. Now, what that's going to look like, I've heard all kinds of speculation about there being a committee, which would even include some players, members of the policy board, who would decide on a case-by-case basis, and then there would be possible fines. Is that is that something people want to jump through who have who have made the jump over to the new tour, or do they, they are they just satisfied playing over there, and then maybe now they can go play some in Europe, have some opportunities over there if they choose? So, I, you know, I don't – you know, listening to the players' comments, they've all been asked about it this week at the U.S. Open. I think a lot of them just don't want to get into it because this is a major championship that requires their full attention, but I don't think anyone – other than Jay Monahan and, and, a, and, a, and a couple others, uh, Yasser, uh, have any clue. And I think, you know, now you have the Department of Justice involved doing, you know, they've got to approve the deal in the first place. So, uh, I mean, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. Until I see schedules on, on in print, I'm, I'm not going to really believe anything. I also think a lot of it now is is maybe uh, being workshopped. I mean, it's a memorandum of understanding, and there's probably some whiteboard or brainstorming things going on. But uh, you know, I don't think there's anything yet that is locked in stone. So I think your point there is is well taken. Uh, John Rahm, frustrated, betrayal. Those are some of the words that he has used uh, this week. John Rahm sounded like a man who would be willing to. Uh might be interested in that limited schedule and a few events in Europe. Um, you know, I think what they're all starting to understand is what Brooks figured out eight years ago. You'll be remembered by your majors. That's it. There's going to be enough money with the, with the PIF investment in golf. There's going to be enough money for all of them to become very, very, very wealthy. They're already very wealthy, but to, to, to continue to, increase their wealth and do whatever they would like to do, not only personally, but off the golf course through their foundations, etc. grow the game, build a vacation home in Aruba. You know, th- there's going to be enough money for that. But ultimately these, these are the most competitive golfers, you know, of our era and they are going to be judged professionally by their record. And it looks like now, you know, 30 PGA tour wins might not mean what it once did when you consider that the tours are split. Right. And, you know, people are playing, well, the best guys weren't there. You know, he won 30 of those tournaments, but, uh, you know, Kepka and Cam Smith and DJ weren't in the field, you know? So I think what these guys are, are is becoming very clear to them is look, there's nothing's going to happen to these four major tournaments. They're going to be played. Uh, they've all tried to stay out of the fray. They're not really any of them involved in this decision whatsoever. They all came out and, you know, said the right thing. It's great. Let's bring golf together. We're basically tired of hearing about it and dealing with it. You better believe that Augusta was very much involved. Jimmy Dunn is a prominent member there. So is Ed Herlihy. Um, others, you know, look, it's a very small golf community. But but I think what the majors, you know, 
are, are going to be the four tournaments that matter as long as these guys can continue to play in them and have opportunities to play 15, 20 times a year around the world, wherever, when they want to, um, then that that'll, most players will be fine with that. And uh, I think you're, you know, Rom, Rom, there's just no loyalty <laughs> to the tour. Rom was pretty loyal, but I think uh, those guys feel betrayed and that's understandable. We got uh, Brian Mull with us here, uh, golf writer. Follow him on Twitter at BG Mull uh, there. Okay, well, let's get into this U.S. Open and let's get Please. into, uh, you know, the actual golf. First, let's start with what is always seemingly the star of the show when it comes to any uh, major, particularly a U.S. Open, L.A. Country Club. A lot is not known about L.A. Country Club, uh, but but it's also uh, a spectacular venue from what we understand. I've never been more excited for for maybe a golf tournament. Um, certainly for not for a U.S. Open in, in recent years. Uh, this golf course, uh, fascinating. George C. Thomas, not a, a not on the same level as a Donald Ross or Alistair McKenzie or Killinghast or the other great architects of the golden age of the twenties, because George C. Thomas was a man of means uh, and, and who after the world war one chose to relocate to Southern California. He was from Philadelphia area, which, which produced many of the great architects. And he only designed a handful of golf courses, all pretty much in Southern California, including Riviera, which we all, we see every year during the, the Genesis Tigers tournament, uh, formerly the LA open um, the Bel Air Country Club, which has an elevator that takes you from the ninth green to the tenth tee through a tunnel, which is pretty remarkable. And then this LA Country Club, which is the championship course of all championship courses and just a, a unique mix of, of long holes, short holes, uh, open fairways, tighter tee shots, big greens, small greens, uh, more Southern type grasses, Bermuda grass, which we never see in California. And uh, it's located basically uh, the, the, the correlation I've heard is if uh, they had built a golf course in Central Park in Manhattan, uh, you know, just literally right there next to Beverly Hills and Century City, right in the heart of Los Angeles. It's a place that you could drive by on Wilshire Boulevard a million times in Santa Monica and, and never even know it was there. Um, and uh, for many years, that's the way they liked it. You know, the membership kept it very, it was very known for extremely exclusive and they didn't want anyone to see it. But uh, with some newer membership here in recent years, they did a restoration in 2010 with the intention of bringing a major championship. Uh, they kind of opened it up a little bit to, to host the Walker Cup. Colin Morikawa, Scotty Scheffler were among, Will Zalatoris on that team in 2017. And now we've got the, the, the biggest championship the national championship held there and uh nobody really knows uh what what's going to happen except everybody expects the course to to hold up and do its part and produce a test of golf that where you have to hit long irons you have to hit wedges you have to be able to drive the ball accurately on some holes power is also going to be beneficial and then the greens are going to be extremely firm and fast like we expect in the u.s open with a lot of trouble around them and uh, the beautiful thing about playing a tournament in Los Angeles, there will not be really any weather considerations. So the, the USGA will have full control of the golf course, being able to set it up. I think you'll see some scoring Thursday and Friday. And uh, 
then I think once they cut the field down to the top 60 in ties, that uh, Saturday and Sunday could be just electric for carnage, for, uh, you know, leaderboard changing, um, just a lot of pressure on the leaders in the afternoon. This golf course is uh, probably a top 10 golf course in the world that nobody really realizes that it is. Yeah. Uh, we got Brian Mull with us uh, here. All right, so who are the picks to click? Who do you like this weekend? Well, I like Kepka again. I don't uh, – I mean, he's the best U.S. Open player of our lifetime. He's healthy. Uh, he's been having a little fun since the PGA, so maybe you could question his motivation, but I'm pretty sure when the gun goes off on Thursday that he's going to be dialed in. Um, I'd start, any list starts with him and, and Scheffler. I mean, Scheffler is on a epic – ball striking run that we have not seen in golf since 2000 in Tiger Woods. I mean, he is, if he could just put average this week, he could win by four or five shots if he continues to hit the ball like he has. But going a little deeper, I've got a great feeling about Cam Smith. Uh, I think, you know, in my opinion, last year when Cam Smith outdueled Hovland and Rory at the, the, the Open Championship at St. Andrews, he was the best player in the world. And uh, then, admittedly, uh, you know, Cam Smith took a ton of money and went all home to Australia for three months and, and saw people he had not seen and spent time with people he had not spent time with, played in a couple of tournaments in Australia, but, you know, admittedly didn't really work on his golf game a whole lot. He had, had a great year and made a ton of more money, lifetime money, and I think now he's starting to round into form. He, he had a top ten at the PGA Championship. I really like Cameron Smith, and, and I, I think it's a good golf course for Jordan Spieth as well, who's sneakily been playing pretty pretty well. I think he has four top fives in his last seven starts, that last eight starts. He's, he's recovered from his wrist injury. That's not a problem. But I think it's a, a creative player like a Smith or a Spieth, I think it really have an opportunity in this U.S. Open to, uh, to let all of their skills shine because I, I truly think it's going to test all 14 clubs in the bag, you know, um, at a place like Oak Hill, if you miss the fairway, everybody's just kind of hacking out of the rough. But I think there's more options here as long as you can stay out of the Barranca. And uh, please don't have a drink every time you hear them <laughs> say Barranca this in the next four days because that would not be good for your health. Uh, you mentioned Phil Mickelson. Another thing that was said by uh, uh, yesterday by uh, Curtis Strange was uh, Phil's a liar, essentially. It's what he, what he said. Um, lefty makes the cut, maybe even a top 25 finish. I mean, you talk about great U S open players, even though he's never won one, but he's always been there. I would not be surprised whatsoever. I think you, you could throw, I don't know if he can sustain it for four rounds, but, uh, he, this seems like a very, a, a course that will suit him, his, his, his style of play, his personality, his, uh, his, you know, he's going to spray a few drives, and, but he should be able to get away with them as long as they're on the right holes. And, uh, you know, if his, if his short game and putting can, can hold up, uh, I, I, don't, um, I don't see any reason why he can't make the cut. You know, I think this is a, a good week if you're filling out your fantasy roster or looking to maybe sprinkle a few pennies somewhere. I think experience, uh, you know, golf's kind of become a young man's game. But I think experience will be valuable because this is going to be the ultimate test of patience, when to be aggressive, when to be patient, when to be conservative, when to just understand that bogey is going is okay. You're going to make a bogey here that's not going to kill you because there are plenty of opportunities to make birdies. I think, you know, we, we, we think of the U.S. Open sometimes as, oh, you got to make a ton of pars. But I think you'll see more 
volatility on the scoreboard this week, which should be exciting. Hey, Brian, thanks a lot. Uh, follow Brian uh, on Twitter at BG Mullen. Good luck to you this weekend in the event you're playing in. Well, thanks a lot, Patrick, and uh, everybody have a great weekend. Happy Father's Day, and uh, enjoy the primetime golf. Okay, Brian Mull, thank you, was uh, just sending a uh, note. I'm, I'm taking all of Brian's uh, notes that he said there and uh, making uh, making a note of uh, who might be favorites uh, this, uh, this weekend. But great to have uh, Brian on with us. Okay, uh, we're going to take a timeout, and when we come back, uh, we will wrap up uh, the show, have a uh, – bit of a revision that was out this morning that we told you about yesterday and uh, we will give you uh, those revisions when we come back right after this and now the stunning conclusion of the show it's the p-man here on 94.3 the game welcome back uh great to have you with us uh here so we've got uh a little bit of a revision that was uh, made uh, since yesterday. Uh, we had 13 ECU baseball players participating uh, in the, or at least on rosters of uh, teams in uh, collegiate summer league baseball. A couple have been taken off of there. Uh, nobody's been added. Uh, so Joey Barini was listed as of yesterday, and this came from ECU, of course, with uh, Holly Springs, but is uh, not with them on the revised list that was put out uh, today. And uh, I believe Will Coxon was up in uh, the Valley League with uh, the Tom Sox in Charlottesville, Uh, but uh, he is not there. Jordan Little and Zach Root remain there uh, in what is considered a pretty good uh, league. Uh, In the uh, Cal Ripken League, uh, where my guy Mike Mullis played, uh, Nick DeLisi's batting 300. Dixon Williams... Interestingly enough, listed as an outfielder, and he had a big uh, game uh, yesterday. Jaden Winters playing up there. So uh, that is where they are. I uh, know in uh, talking to some folks today that uh, you're starting to see some of the recruits for uh, Pirate Baseball make their way into town uh, today uh, and are already in town uh, getting ready for uh, summer classes and that sort of thing. And there's some older guys around kind of showing that group the ropes All right, uh, a timeout uh, for 23 hours. We'll be back on the sports side in 23 hours at 5 o'clock tomorrow with a a fresh Patrick Johnson show. Coming up uh, tomorrow morning, more talk of the town from the uh, Big Rock Blue Marlin Tournament. I'll have sports news for you, and we'll have all the goings-on down there. Great celebrities. Contavia Street with us on Friday next week. Uh, We'll have John Gilbert on, also uh, Blake Harrell, Donnie Kirkpatrick, and more. Uh, We will catch up with you on the Patrick Johnson Show tomorrow. Have a great evening, everybody.